Going Linux, episode 384, Year in Review. Welcome to the Going Linux podcast. I'm your host, Larry Bushy. And I'm your co-host, Bill. Whether you're new to Linux, upgrading from Windows to Linux, or just thinking about moving to Linux, this podcast will provide you valuable information and advice that will help you in Going Linux. We hope that you'll find this and all of our episodes helpful in learning about Linux and open source applications and using them to get things done. If you want, you can send us feedback at our email address at goinglinux at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 1-904-468-7889. In today's episode, 2019 in review. Hey, Bill. Hey, Larry. Good morning. Uh, it is, as we're recording this, um, 2020, which... It is 2020. Yeah, it is 2020. Yeah. And How's your year been so far? It's been absolutely great. Uh, wanted to also just give a public service announcement. Uh, anybody that's running Windows 7, by the time you hear this, uh, it's out of support. So, yeah, you should probably... Um, Come over. And, Switch to Linux. Yeah, join yes. us because the water's great over here. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And and speaking of that, as you know, I've got two books. One is uh, entitled Ubuntu Mate Upgrading from Windows or Mac OS. And the other one is Using Ubuntu Mate and its Applications. Well, the Using one, uh, the more detailed one, I am revising for... Uh, Ubuntu Mate 20.04 long-term support release, and that will be available sometime around the release in April. However, I have also updated the book Ubuntu Mate Upgrading from Windows or Mac OS to its second edition, and I've got that published on Amazon as usual. I'll have links in the show notes. As we're recording this, the ebook version is available on Amazon. The paperback version is still in review. As soon as it comes out of review, it will be available on Amazon for sale. So those have been updated for 20.04 as well. And if you're interested in those, like I said, we'll have the links in the show notes. And if you're not interested in them, forget it. I didn't say anything. Well, actually, I bought the first version of that book. Um, and uh, it was very handy. There was a few things in there that it kind of made things a little easier as far as, oh, and where is this stupid stuff? Let me look in the book. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah, so I've added some more details in this in this version, oh, so that sort of stuff. And you know, Bill, you know the author. You really don't have to buy uh, the book. <laughs> I, I I know the author, and I even got uh, mentioned in the book. Yes, um, you did. But the thing is, I wanted to support you too. I wanted a hard copy because sometimes you just want a hard copy, and I it was you know the book is not super expensive, so. Yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, getting your next book too, just for my reference library because, you know, every once in a while, you just don't want to have to Google something. You just want to go, where's that book? Okay, table of contents there, <laughs> you know? It's yeah, right. It's it's the primitive way to Google. So Exactly. Yeah. Yes, 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 the analog way. <laughs> the analog way. So dead tree uh, version. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. One of the podcasts I listen to is uh, the Linux Unplugged with Chris, Chris Fisher and his 
gang over at uh, Jupiter Broadcasting. Uh, yes. Now they're, I think they're with uh, Linux Academy too. And I kept hearing about this KDE Neon. And I'm like, yeah. what is that? So, you know, I finally started looking at it. And, you know, I'm not a huge fan of KDE because I always thought it was kind of slow and stuff. But I said, right. you know what? Uh, that distro hopper in me just decided to give it a whirl. So I, I threw it on a test machine. And I was like, wow, this is really, really fast and really, really light. I'm like, hmm. So I'm in the, I was in the process of changing distros on my main machine. So I threw it on there. And just to, for about a week, just to see how it worked, and it was mm-hmm. it was very nice. It's a distro that's not a distro. They basically use the Ubuntu 18.04 uh, long term, so it's really really uh, solid. And then they uh, they use that as a, the KDE project uses that as a test bed, so you're constantly getting the latest and greatest of KDE and all its applications. I see. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it it worked really really well. Um, didn't have any issues. I, like I said, I'm not a huge fan uh, of KDE, but I was impressed with it. And one of the things that uh, in my travels with this distro, it, you can pretty much customize anything you want on this thing. Almost, it's just too much customization in my opinion, and that's saying something. Uh, that's but, KDE for you. Yep. Yeah, it's KDE. But if anybody's looking for a solid KDE, um, I would definitely say give KDE Neon because it run everything, even uh, the known versions of software. Uh, it just it, it it looked good, it ran good. There wasn't any ugly, um, uh, you know, where you know if you try to run uh, like a gnome, sometimes everything doesn't look quite right. It looked it did a pretty good job. Mm-hmm. So you know, after that, I said, oh, time to go. So. Then I uh, I had some fan issues with the Linux Mint 1903 beta, and the the fans uh, were running just full tilt, and um, I didn't know what was going on, and I couldn't figure it out, and I, I you know couldn't get a lot of feedback, and uh, from then uh, from people I talked to, so I finally said, okay, well let's wait till it comes out, so. It came out, I think, last week, and I got it on there, and uh, the fan issues are gone. I think it was um, a video driver, so, you know, but everything's running really smoothly. That's what I'm actually recording on right now. Um, I, uh, it runs great. Uh, so, yeah, it's it seems to be they got whatever was causing it figured out, and uh, or they the driver was fixed or whatever, but no worries. Uh, so Linux Mint 19.03 is solid i haven't had i've had zero issues with it and so yeah that was that was my exciting uh uh distro looking news but i did something a little bit different um oh there's more of course i've got some things like i decided could i actually just use firefox and and not use any chrome so what I did is when I put 1903, it come with, of course, Firefox. Um, and even before um, that, I was running Firefox on the KDE Neon. And I haven't had any real issues. There's a few little uh, differences. Um, 
as far as you know how to copy and paste stuff because they want you to use Control V, Control X, and all that jazz. But I I, I haven't had any issues. Uh, I've gone to uh, I get a free Disney Plus with my phone plan, so I wanted to see if that would work. And it always tells me, oh, it has to download something called Wild Vine to make things work. But it everything works fine. So I haven't used Chrome for like a month, and of course I still sign in to my my Google account because that's what we use for Google Docs and um, everything just seems to work so uh, I'll let you know if uh, life still is continuing with Firefox starting our next episode but so far it's worked pretty much flawlessly and, oh that's good yeah so the last two uh, items are actually uh, news items uh, one is uh, and I include the, the links in the show notes one was about Linus Torvalds the the creator of the Linux kernel he says uh, he recommends not using ZFS on Linux until as the article says the litigious uh, Oracle uh, gets the licensing figured out so I think he meant more like Larry Ellison. <laughs> so yeah. that's it was a fun, it was a fun article, and the other uh, was from a, a site called MS Power User or Microsoft Power User. He pretty much figured that one out, and it's and in the article uh, they go through you know that or the people that are lead, uh, going from Windows seven to ten, and and they were saying in the um, the, the web page that Microsoft put up, you know, saying this is what you can do. It says, um, hey, and, you know, Microsoft is recommending to 400 million users that they might want to buy a new PC. <laughs> <laughs> 400 million users. So, hey, you know, like I said before, hey, guys, come on over to Linux. The water's just great. It's warm. Everybody's happy. So... <laughs> Yeah, I'm a firm believer that you should buy a new PC when the hardware breaks, not when the <laughs> the operating system stops yeah, I mean, being supported. It stops being supported. So you know, they were saying that you know Windows 7 come out in like 2012, but not all those 400 million users have hardware that is weak or can't run it. It's just the yeah. software. Yeah. So. I don't know about you, but if I have a perfectly good hardware that I like and I have to pick between running uh, Windows 7, which in two days is going to be out of uh, support, or a Linux that I might have to kind of figure out what's going on. We have some episodes that will help you with that, by the way. Um, yeah. Then I think I'd rather go with a secure Linux and just tell Microsoft no. Because we don't right, want right. people running unsupported uh, uh, software. And if you don't like Windows 10, we'll give you some recommendations during this episode. But you might really want to start looking. Don't run on unsupported uh, operating systems. That's just a bad idea. Absolutely. And uh, when you make the adjustment to Linux coming from whether it's Microsoft's Windows or Apple's Mac OS, you make the adjustment once. Uh, and you can then upgrade and keep your computer running for as long as the hardware lasts, as opposed to having to buy new hardware because the creator of your operating system decided it's out of support. So, <laughs> um, yeah, all 400 million of you uh, should be listening to this podcast.
All right, so Larry, I thought we would talk about <laughs> some of the, about the interesting uh, things that happened during the year uh, that we've had in open source and the Linux communities and other cool tech news or just noteworthy. We had a slew yep. of new Linux distributions. Uh, some we have tested, or I should say, I've tested, and uh, we're and some that we're kind of looking forward to testing. I thought we would start with the year in review uh, of some of the distributions we've looked at over the year. So yeah. that that's what I want to kind of talk about. What do you got to say about 2019? Yeah, well, 2019 was a year of you doing a lot of distro hopping, even though you've promised to pick one that really never happened. So I like to talk about uh, removing bolts from a plane's engine that is never leaving the ground. <laughs> yeah, kind of that. So okay. there you go. Uh, okay, I will repent. Really, I can control myself. Really, I sure on, uh, only ten this year. <laughs> yeah, we'll believe you. We'll believe do, you. Do Do you know if there's a helpline? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Bill. I don't know. <laughs> so some of the ones we looked at, that uh, some we liked, some not so much, but we looked at Zorin. Um, then, of course, Larry's personal favorite and daily driver, the Ubuntu Mate. Uh, then, we, of course, Ubuntu was always in the news. And then we looked at Linux Mint and their beta and their 1903 released. Then I looked at D Deep End and was pretty impressed, uh, but it was kind of a little wonky with some of the licensing. Then we we revisited Kubuntu and mm -hmm. uh, Elementary OS. At we looked at that, it was Juno, and now their new one is called Hera, which I think is the cool one of the coolest names. And uh, Pop OS was in the news with all their cool uh, updates and uh, add additions to the Pop OS. And then, we, of course, uh, my arch woes never cease to end. And then one that I thought has a lot of um, possibilities and is that Fedora Silverblue, which is their, uh, like a test bed for a, a immutable file system. I never run that a little bit on test machine. So yeah, I really had a good time. Uh, and uh, each one of those uh, really worked well in certain areas. And some uh, had little issues and some just worked flawlessly. So I, I would say my my picks for if someone was coming over to, you know, from Windows 7 or even Mac OS... I would say Zorin, Ubuntu Mate, and Linux Mint. What do, what would your yours be? Uh, yeah, so my favorite. Well, I can't speak from a distro hopping perspective, so I can say from personal experience, the ones that I like best are Ubuntu Mate, of course, uh, primarily because it's you wrote a book designed for everybody. Yeah, but I wrote a book. Because I like it, as opposed to <laughs> okay, I like it. So I, you know, anyway, um, I think that just plain vanilla Ubuntu is also good for new users. But there's still this element of 
not everything is as polished in Ubuntu as it is in Ubuntu Mate. That seems strange to say, but I think the Ubuntu Mate team does some additional polishing once Ubuntu is finished with it. And same thing with Linux Mint. I think that Linux Mint is one of those distributions that takes Ubuntu and makes it even better. So I, in terms of ranking them, it would be Ubuntu Mate, then Linux Mint, and then Ubuntu. Uh, and I can't say that I've tried a lot of the others. Of course, I've tried out Zorin when you've suggested that I try it out. I've tried out Pop! OS and some of these others. But those three kind of stand out as the top of the heap for me. And because they're Debian distributions and because I don't spend any more any time in Red Hat-based distributions or any other independent distributions, um, there may be others out there that are equivalent in those particular environments. But I think these are certainly the three that I'm going to be sticking with in terms of recommending them to people. And, uh, you know, as as you do the distro hopping stuff, I think that's opening my eyes to some of the things that I don't see because I'm not in those distributions. So thank you for that. So, Larry, um, why don't you kind of give us an overview of what we covered on the podcast over 2019? Yeah. So some of the things that we have talked about are the Linux universal packaging, meaning app images and snaps and flat packs. And we discussed that a little bit, kind of at a high level. We didn't get into any detail as to the technology behind it and how it all works. But essentially what that is, is packaging of applications so that it doesn't matter what distribution you're on, whether that's a Debian-based distribution or a Red Hat-based distribution or something else, the applications can be used and installed and it's one application that allows you to install it across any of those platforms. And if we can get to the point where we have one application format that can be installed across Linux, Mac, and Windows, and maybe even across Chrome OS, that would be great. <laughs> We're far from that yet, but hey, somebody's going to do it someday. Um, so we've talked about that. We've talked about upgrading to Linux from Windows and a little bit from Mac. And we've done a few episodes on running your business on Linux. We've done three this year on that. Uh, we started that back last year, as a matter of fact. So we've done, I think, three or four episodes total on running your business on Linux. And in those episodes, we've taken some of the main applications for different businesses you might want to run on Linux and given you a kind of an overview as to what's available for running your business using Linux and open source applications. We've also done episodes on back to basics where we've gone back to some of the definitions of terms and some of the more elementary functions like installing Linux and those kinds of things. And you've done a fantastic job there, Bill, of, of writing those episodes. So um, it's kind of frees up my time to do some other things. So again, thank you for that. And yeah, we've, we've done a lot. And of course, every other episode is always our listener feedback episode. It continues to amaze me that every month we have enough emails and voicemails and file contributions from our listeners to fill up an entire episode every month. 
So we've had a lot of those. So that's what we've been doing. And, um, of course, those going Linux minions are a main part of what keeps us going here on the Going Linux podcast. So thanks to our minions for all their input, their support, their help, and just for listening. <laughs> so to my annoying voice and my annoying complaints. So I think we've had a pretty fun year. And 2020, I think it's going to be very exciting too. So, you know, just something a little different because it, all of, everybody else does it, so I want to do it too. So, Larry... Let's do a few predictions uh, for 2020, and I'm going to let you start. Okay. Yeah, and we do this different from everybody else. We make the predictions, but we never go back to look and see if they came true. So that's how we do it different. And we're always <laughs> and right. This episode, yeah, yeah, this episode is not going to be any different from any others. We're not <laughs> going to go back and see if we were right or not. Anyway, um, my first prediction is about Microsoft. And this year, Microsoft has said they love Linux. And I thought it was a cancer. <laughs> uh, well, that was, you know, a few years ago. Now oh, okay. they love Linux. Yeah. And they have actually introduced the Windows subsystem for Linux, which, by the way, is powered by Ubuntu. And I don't get that name. I'm thinking it should be the Linux subsystem for Windows, but hey, that's their product. They can name it whatever they want. <laughs> but essentially, it's Linux running on Windows, so you don't have to jump through hoops to make that work. Okay. They have developed Skype for Linux, and it's the official version that's been released by Microsoft, Skype for Linux. There have been community versions that have worked before. And they have introduced Microsoft Teams for Linux. And Microsoft Teams is part of Microsoft Office, at least they say it is. And essentially that is Skype for Business for Linux. Hmm. And so they've been advertising that as the first official Microsoft Office product that's available for Linux. And for some time now, you've been able to use Microsoft Visual Studio Code on Linux. And there are Snap images, uh, Snap versions of Skype and Microsoft Teams and Visual Studio Code you can use as well. So uh, my prediction is actually that Microsoft will get more into open source and there will be more Microsoft Office components for Linux. So Microsoft is going to get into more open source. My second prediction, and I have three predictions here. My second prediction is that Canonical and Microsoft will work together even closer in 2020. Okay. Somehow they will work together. It'll be a partnership or hate to say Microsoft will buy Canonical. Probably not. But hey, something somehow they will continue to work more closely and Canonical will help Microsoft ad adopt open source even more. And. My third prediction, Bill, you can guess this one. You will distro hop at least <laughs> 10 more times during 2020. At least oh. 10 more times. Oh, you just had to throw that in there. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's all that stuff's pretty cool. And, you know, it, it, apparently uh, Microsoft loves Linux now. And, but uh, every yep. time I see Skype for Linux, because uh, remember we were having so many issues, that's why we finally uh, switched to Discord. Uh, every time I hear uh, uh, Skype, 
I I just I get this shudder up to my spine about all the you know different issues we had. Oh, this this one doesn't work anymore. Then the audio quality was dropping. So uh, it was it was a nightmare. So good on uh, Microsoft for loving Linux. Uh, we'll see how the 2020 is. But hey, no, um, I think it's I think it's going to happen. I genuinely yeah, think it's going to happen. So yeah, the other thing I've made this prediction before. And with no time bound on it, and it's also going to be no time bound, Microsoft will change their entire operating system to run off of the Linux kernel. I don't know when. Probably <laughs> not in 2020, but it will happen. I For, really, truly believe that. So my predictions are a little bit more specific. Uh, I think that you know, right now uh, ZFS is experimental. Um, but I think uh, ZFS will become a fully supported file system in Ubuntu uh, without the experimental tag. I, you, you know, as now you can get, you know, pick EXT4 or XFS or any of the others. I think that ZFS is going to be an option if they can get the licensing figured out and all that. Uh, let all the lawyers go through all the boilerplate that is. ZFS, so that will be very, very interesting. Or for our English friend, friends, ZFS, because you know we right. say, yeah, they they might get a little crazy. So yes, the ZFS I think will be a fully supported file system on Ubuntu. Maybe not this long uh, LTS, but I think it may be one of the interim releases. And then my second one is I think Linux will get a good uptick in users from Windows 7, even if it's just temporary because, uh, you know, Windows 7 is end of life. People are going to say, wait a minute, do I really want to, you know, have to go through these hoops? Do I really want this telemetry? Do I really want, you know, having where it's pretty similar? You know, they might decide, you know, if I'm going to, you know, have to go Windows 10 and have to buy a new uh, hardware, I might as well use my old hardware and, you know, go through the learning curve and because I'm going to, have to you know, it's a little bit, uh, each version is a little bit different from, uh, in Windows. So they might say, hey, you know, this is a great time to jump. So I think we're going to get a small, uh, a good uptick. I'm not talking, you know, I'd like all 400 million of those users to, to use Linux. But if we get 50 million, I'll just, be happy. Just, just half of them. Yeah. 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 That'd I'm be not good. greedy. 200 million. That's cool. Yeah, two hundred million, and then they can listen to uh, podcasts, and they'll be power users in no time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and if half of those people buy any one of my books, um, going Linux podcast will be retired. And uh... <laughs> <laughs> do I get a commission? Uh, uh, you get to take over the podcast if you like. Oh. <laughs> you could be somewhere in like Puerto Rico somewhere or Bermuda. Exactly. Uh, Bermuda. Exactly. Okay. Where it's warm. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, uh, get back to seriousness though. Uh, yeah, I think that's, that's a, a good set of predictions. Um, I think for all of our predictions, they're all pretty safe that eventually they're going to happen. Whether or not they happen in 2020, I guess, is the risk we take. But I think we're pretty safe at these. And I'm, I have no qualms about not ever going back to see if we were right. We'll know <laughs> if we're right. Well, in our minds, we'll always yeah. be right. So it's That's fine. right. 
That's exactly correct. So uh, I think the next thing we should do is take a look at some of the things that have happened from the technology community in general, whether they're Linux-related or not, in 2019. What do you think? Uh, why not? We've had a very why interesting not? year. <laughs> yes, we have. And the first thing we want to bring to your attention is an article on government technology website, govtech.com blog. And it's entitled 2019, the year of the Linux desktop. No, uh, the year <laughs> ransomware targeted state and local governments. And as you may know, uh, here in the United States, um, some uh, state and local governments had some problems with cyber attacks and malware and that sort of thing. The Louisiana government declared a state of emergency after a cyber attack. 22 Texas towns were hit with ransomware. Uh, and hackers are holding Baltimore hostage. And they continue to do that to this day, I guess. Uh, <laughs> oh, wow. Hit by a ransomware attack, a Florida city agrees to pay hackers $600,000. Most of these people only want 10 bucks. So here, <laughs> wait, there you go, Florida. Um, a second Florida city pays what is described here as a giant ransom to ransom rare gang in a week. Uh, well, I guess they need their data, right? Yeah. New Orleans declares state of emergency following cyber attack and Mississippi city operations disrupted by ransomware. I have one question for all those folks. Did you not make any backups of your stuff? I mean, come on, guys. Jeez. Hey, selfish, okay. pl selfish plug. We have an episode on that, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, come on, guys. All you got to do is kind of back up your stuff from time to time. And then if you hit with ransomware, restore from the backup and tell them to go sod off or whatever the Brits say. Ugh. But Larry, those hackers love them some Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do. Which is why you should back up. Good grief. <sighs> Even so, I have backups. Come on. Well, I don't keep anything around long enough to back it up. <laughs> well, yeah, there's that. They could always continually distro hop. And then we'd have <laughs> so, other issues. <laughs> some news from the Linux and open source world that happened in 2019 that we think was interesting or noteworthy. Antegros, Linux shuttered the project. I love that name, Antegros. And it, and I looked it up, and, and it means um, ancestors, just useless trivia. But uh, mm, okay. Antegros was first released in July of 2012 as Cinearch. And I think you remember when it when you heard that uh, first time. Yes. Yes. And uh, development was ended on May 21, 2019, and... Uh, Antegros uh, was an Arch-based distribution, and one of the reasons that they finally shared the, uh, the project was that the developers just didn't have any more time. You know, real-life you know, is always interferes. And um, so they, apparently they did it really well. You know, they gave people plenty of notice, and then the project was forked, and it's now called Endeavor OS. And right now, when I looked at the uh, district watch, it's ranked number 31. So that's pretty quick, you know, rise to the top, even though we all know district watch is not probably the 
best metric, but that's the one we had to look at. So, yeah, yeah. Well, it's just a measure of who's interested in looking at these distributions, and I yeah. think the distro hoppers of the world keep those distro watch uh, numbers up for a distribution. So, yeah, it's it's a good metric of something. I don't know. Yeah, but, but it's it's good. Another thing that happened, and I I thought this actually happened last and, and you know in, in 2018 not in 2019 but google plus decided to close down and we had to move our community and we moved it to me we after we had a bit of a survey for our listeners uh and our minions to vote on and me we won out so that's where we are and we have a MeWe group. We'll have, as always, links to our MeWe chat room or discussion group or whatever you want to call it, our site on MeWe, where we can have our community interact with one another and interact with us. Was it in 2018? Uh, if it was. I thought it, it was. It all runs together. No, I know. I know. But it's been recent. And I think you're right. I think it is 2019. It just seems much longer ago than that. <laughs> Bye, Google Plus. You were good while you lasted. So this year, it seemed like containers were the rage for 2019. Oh, yeah. Which seemed like uh, there was a new story about Kubernetes or Docker or this uh, web technology that's going to make all the problems disappear. It just seemed like every week there was another uh, article about how fast it's moving forward and and uh, you know canonical and red hat and you know uh, CentOS and it seems like everybody and even you know Amazon and uh, Microsoft this seems like everybody's you know racing to the cloud and their containers are the greatest and most wonderful thing i you know i'm excited to see what containers bring in 2020 what what do you think larry about containers yeah, I mean, do you think it's going to continue becoming a thing? I do, I do. I I just keep in the back of my mind thinking about the move from desktop computers to thin client computers. Remember those where yes. everything was supposed to be on somebody else's server and then the hardware you need is very, very, you know, Chromebook-ish you know, yeah. in terms of just enough operating system to get you logged in. That's kind of where we're headed again. And then when the pendulum swings back, we'll back we'll be back to thick client computers and people will be wanting to continue on with running their full full fledged operating system on their hardware. And Linux will be still around because, well, if you're a <laughs> software developer, you need something to run on your hardware. And so it's never yeah. going anywhere. As far as the consumer is concerned. People just want to be able to take their computer, log in, check their email, talk to their friends on Facebook, and uh, share some photos. And, you know, generally speaking, that I think is what most people use their computers for. And then there's the rest of us who run our business or <laughs> do software development or write books and all kinds of stuff like that and uh, test out distributions. And yeah, there will always be a need for computers regardless of the move to the cloud but more and more things will move to the cloud until yeah. something horribly goes wrong and then there'll be a big 
push to move back to client software in order to protect your data and all that stuff. So there you go. Uh, that's uh, that's another prediction, I guess. But uh, <laughs> Well, you know, it's, it's kind of funny. Uh, everything going to the cloud, you know, right now. And uh, if you kind of look at the economics of it, uh, you're saving money, but uh, there were these. Some of these companies are saving large amounts of money because they don't have to run their own data centers, but they're they're also um, trusting someone with all their data that they actually don't have physical access to. And then you've got the economics where oh, it only costs you you know point zero 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 three cents uh, uh, an hour, but when you have something run twenty four seven and however it's written that. You know they they're making they're they're figuring out how to make some money with this. So, yeah. Oh yeah, and it'll yeah. be cheap until they raise the price, and then <laughs> then what are you gonna do? <laughs> yeah. So you know, Larry, just uh, leading into this next uh, news article, you know, uh-huh. open source uh, companies aren't worth anything, are they? Oh, well, um, just ask Canonical and the you know uh, the fact that they're even thinking about going public, uh, if they weren't worth anything, I would think that the stock price would be zero. And then why bother listing it on a stock exchange? But to take a more realistic example, uh, IBM thought that a an open source company, Red Hat, which was listed on the stock exchange and I think still is as an independent stock was worth $34 billion. Uh, and that was another news story from 2019. It was the biggest software com- a company acquisition ever. So yeah, I, I would think that, you know, open source is worth something for sure. And more and more companies who create proprietary software are using, um, open source software in their products. And of course, the more they use the open source the software, the more they're actually going to have to contribute back to open source, which kind of is a virtuous cycle of perpetuating the world of open source. And eventually, maybe all the proprietary stuff will go away. I'm not going to predict that, but... <laughs> As long as you don't put a time limit on it. But, Larry, uh, okay. uh, my annual – I want to raise. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. Uh, we'll give you the same raise you got last year, and I'll Oof. add an additional bonus of twice as much of that. All right. Well, great. Wait a minute. That's still nothing. Okay. Well, maybe yeah, next year. <laughs> so <laughs> – you know, you said you get a raise every year, Bill. Yeah, Come on, yeah, I get a raise every year. It just never seems to change. Um, well, it's a percentage of what you've already got. What more do you want? Yeah, I, I'm being unreasonable. So, yes, you said they Red Hat, IBM bought Red Hat for 34 billion. You know, that's like a billion one, with a B. Yeah, yeah, the very big B. Uh, yeah, but that's like one million Model Three Teslas. That's a worthless fact. Ah, yeah. You know, you could give a lot of people. Uh, wow, that's a lot of money. Yeah, so that's anyway, a lot of Teslas. So, uh, yeah, that was a very, uh, very worthless fact, but it was kind of fun because I looked up the base model is like thirty five thousand dollars. I'm like, that's a lot. You could yeah. drive a lot of Model Threes. So, mm-hmm. I want to talk about Microsoft. Uh, 
Microsoft again uh, is an open source company. Yay! We've already discussed that. So, but they did some things that kind of um, made me go, hmm. Well, not really. Hmm. It's like what took you so long is they finally dumped that worthless Edge browser and made one based on Chrome. It's still called Edge browser, but they got rid of the old one and got the new one, or and basically they ripped out all the Google stuff and put all their stuff in there. But you know everything is better on Edge. Windows 10 says so. What do you want? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, that's one of the things that makes me think that they're going to continue to go more and more open source. They, they actually said they actually said that they're going to release a and be still my heart, um, a Microsoft Edge for Linux. Mm. So yes. still waiting on that, Microsoft. Yeah, still waiting on that. But that would that that's probably going to flip some people out. And then, of course, you know they 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 purchased GitHub for some you know insane amount of money, and they're still dumping money into GitHub. So you know we got all those open source people working at GitHub. I know there's a few different uh, versions of that uh, that it's been forked or whatever, but yeah, they're still throwing money at GitHub. And and then of course we already talked about the uh, WSL or the Windows subsystem for Linux. Hello, Ubuntu. Uh, way to go. And then Windows as a service is great. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, I think they've had a few um, issues with some of these rapid uh, releases. Uh, I think the May and October, uh, they had some issues with uh, blue screening and stuff. So, yeah, getting these rapid uh, upgrades that you can't not take if you're a homer user like most of our listeners are is a great thing okay yeah great so larry did i fall asleep and just wake up in a different world now that microsoft is <laughs> yeah <in? laughs> I'm, I'm i think so yeah i mean this is it's amazing you know we went it's like it just went 180 you know first linux is cancer now they're an open source company they're they're, you know, using open source products to develop their own products. They they bought a the GitHub. You know, they're including uh, Windows, uh, the Linux, uh, Windows WSL. I think they're working on version two now. You know, which they're working with a uh, with Canonical, who makes a Ubuntu. And I'm like, what is going on here? <laughs> it's a brave new world. I yes. credit to Aldous Huxley. So uh, I had, there's one more uh, news story, and I'm going to let you take it just because uh, we had mentioned it earlier So about containers. Yeah, so, so what, I, what happened? Yeah, so I don't actually remember this, Bill, but according to what's written in front of me here, it says Marantis, <laughs> a prominent OpenStack and Kubernetes cloud company, has acquired Docker Enterprises product line and developers and – their business. So, oh, wow. Marantis? Marantis? Marantis, I, yeah. What, yeah, yeah. What the heck is that? Marantis is a cloud based uh, company that does a lot of containers and stuff, you know. And uh, so, apparently, Docker was having some problems cause it, uh, with funding. And apparently, Marantis said, uh, We'll buy you. Uh, we can make money. And so. Again, uh, everybody's buying up all these different technologies, but I just find it very funny that 
uh, where they're finding the technologies to make lots and lots of money and is the open source projects because they – I will say this and everybody can disagree with me. Open source has some of the best developers out there, so a lot of them work for Canonical or Red Hat or, or uh, SUSE. So, yeah, it would make sense that if these guys are developing these products that are better than closed source products, why reinvent the wheel? So that's, that's awesome. At least – Docker's, you know, the developers got uh, are getting paid for their work, and 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 so yeah. And that's the beauty of open source. It's uh, take the entire operating system of of Linux and BSD and any other open source or permissive licensed operating system. Take your pick. Uh, they're great. They're good. They're developed by the people who want to use them as opposed to a company who's developing something to make money off of other people's use of their products and have the financial interests as the motivation for improving the product as opposed to the interest of, hey, I want to make this better because I want to use it which is really the way that open source is developed. And I think that's the advantage of open source. And regardless of whether it's in the cloud, whether it's an operating system, whether it's an application, I think the fact that it's developed by the people who want to use it, and there are many people who want to use everything that somebody puts out there, well, most of it anyway. Some of the stuff that I've tried to develop is completely useless. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, hey, uh, the fact that you know when it does get adopted and it has an open source license and other people contribute to it, it just keeps getting better and better and better. And right, you know, ten years ago, Linux was, let's say, uh, a little less in quality than. Uh, Mac OS, or at the time, OS X, uh, and a little less in quality than Microsoft in terms of what was available and its user experience and the ability for a new user to just pick it up and use it. But today, it's at least on par with those others. And I think my opinion is that it's actually exceeded usability of Windows and Mac in many, many ways. And it will only continue to improve over time as evidenced by the fact that Microsoft is looking at open source and open source development with a, an eye to moving the company to more open source and open source software and to build on that model. So I think uh, 2019 has been the beginning of the grand move to the open source model for software development. Yeah. I remember reading in the um, news that there's some of these open source projects or that are maybe just a little bit irritated that some of these big companies like uh, Amazon, that's one that I always seem to read about, is just taking their – uh, hard work and you know they're not really getting much back but that's kind of the the, you know, the culture of open source you're allowed to take it and use it but it would be nice if some of these bigger companies that are using these uh, open source technologies would actually give back but uh, we'll have to see i know a lot of them are working on different licensing and stuff but that's 
all that legal boilerplate that none of us have time to read. So we'll let other people do that to enjoy that. Yeah, exactly. And I know at least some of our minions, as evidenced by our last listener feedback episode, uh, actually read those EULAs and user license agreements and all of those uh, boilerplate things. And when you come across something interesting, let us know. Yeah. Most people go click, 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 click. Okay, done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't care what you're saying. I want to use this. Let's go. Yeah. So uh, we have a few emails that uh, come in uh, in 2019, yeah. and I, you threw them into the show notes. So, Larry, why don't you take the first one? Okay, yeah. We just picked a couple that came in recently. One from Ken, who wrote about our website. Larry, for some time, I have not been able to access the Going Linux community because I received the following message in Chrome and similar message in Firefox. Thanks a bunch, Ken. And the message reads, your connection is not private. Attackers may be trying to steal your information from community.goinglinux.com. For example, passwords, messages, or credit cards. Learn more. And then they've got a link to... Uh the security SSL cert that we use. And as we found out in our last listener feedback, our SSL cert is, uh, although it's provided by the hosting company, it's self-signed. So some <laughs> browsers will look at that and say, eh, I can't tell whether this is a valid cert or not. We're going to throw up an error message. And this is what happens. So I am still in the process of trying to get that resolved with the hosting company, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, that's kind of lame above the hosting company, but they did charge you money for that though, right? Oh, of course they did. It makes it all better. Of course. Yeah. It must be good because I had to pay for it. (laughs) Of course. I mean, you know. So it's got to be better than that free stuff. Oh yeah, that free stuff is just horrible. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Sarcasm added. Um, so we also got another email about this, about the self-signed certificates from uh, I, I'm going to say uh, Lyman. Uh, if I purchased yeah, your I name, so. I I tend to do that. So anybody that listens knows I do that. So he says, "Hello, gentlemen," and that includes you, Bill. Okay. I'm a bit behind on podcasts due to the holidays, but I was listening on the way to work this morning and I heard about your certificate. I decided to take a look since I have some experience with certificates. Your certificate will always display a warning because it is a self-signed certificate, SSC. This certificate wasn't issued from an approved certificate authority. It was generated on your server. So there's no external proof that you are who you say you are. It would be like printing your own money. No one really knows if it has any value. A certificate authority will ask you for proof that you are the owner of the domain uh, that you want to secure. But with a self-signed certificate, there is no external proof, just your word, which is okay by me and the other minions, but probably not the outside world. Clicking the I understand the risk button doesn't increase your security. It just tells the browser to ignore the SSC or the uh, your certificate issues and accept it. So if you paid for a certificate, this isn't uh, what you should have gotten. <laughs> I, I'd asked for my money back or asked for a real certificate issued from a recognized certificate authority. Lyman, certificate minion and chief bottle washer. 
we could uh, we and then I'm like, well, you know, later if they don't want to fix this, we could send out the MST to take care of them, and that's the Minion Strike Team. Ah, yes. Okay. Uh, we may end up doing that, but let me see if I can get <laughs> get them to just uh, uh, roll over and give me a decent certificate here. Um, yeah, uh, they we, sh- they shouldn't be charging for that. That's for sure. It's like okay, we're gonna def- we're gonna charge you money for a certificate, and we're just gonna hit the button to generate it on the server. Really? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. they wouldn't let you use well, the hey. free version, right? No, they wouldn't. They they insisted that we pay for their self-signed certificate that isn't worth the money that it's printed on. <laughs> oh, maybe that's what they're doing, printing money. Anyway, uh, I still yeah, say so, I still say the Minion Strike team, we could take them out. We could. We could. Uh I'll reserve the big guns. Let's see if I can get oh, this okay. resolved. Otherwise, yeah, yeah. Okay, so a uh, couple of things that we haven't done in a while and uh, one is some recommendations for podcasts, and uh, also we have some recommendations for applications. So let's take the podcast first. Um, I've got some that I have recommended in the past through various episodes, but uh, some which are brand new to me or relatively new to me, some that I picked up in 2019. The first is one that's been around for a long time and kind of pod faded for a while because he got busy with his own business. That's the Nightwise podcast or the Nightcast. He's back. He's got new episodes. Nice. Not as frequently as he used to, but he's producing new episodes again. And if you were a fan of the Nightwise podcast, or if you've never heard of it, check it out, nightwise.com and subscribe to his podcast. He's got some great stuff on technology, using technology to get things done, and uh, cross-platform as well, not just Linux. He talks about Mac and Windows and using things from a practical perspective. Um, A couple of podcasts from Rocco. Uh, Big Daddy Linux Live and Linux Spotlight. Big Daddy Linux Live is a live podcast, if you can say it's a live podcast. It's a live broadcast that's recorded and then sent out as a podcast. Video version, audio version, interviews with people, discussions of topics, great stuff. And then Linux Spotlight is... I th- I don't think he does that live. I think that's a recorded version of a spotlight of a personality within the Linux and open source community. And Martin Wimpress has been on there. Many of the people from uh, Jupiter Broadcasting have been on there as spotlights. And uh, some of our minions may be interested that I may be on there sometime in 2020. So Linux Spotlight is what you want to subscribe to. And then a couple of others that are more general, not Linux-specific. Um, Rich on Tech is a technology podcast for consumers. Uh, Rich Demuro is the host, and he has his producer, Megan. Uh, they started off as an independent podcast and were acquired by KTLA Television in Los Angeles and now send it out under the KTLA banner, but it's still called Rich on Tech. And it talks about consumer electronics and that 
includes everything from tablets and phones through to computers and what's going on at CES. So if you're interested in technology in general, especially consumer technology, that's a great one. Kind of high level, they answer people's questions as well and kind of entertaining. So I like to listen to that when I don't want something that's going to tax my brain too hard. Uh, One that does tax your brain a little bit is Darknet Diaries, Darknet being one word, D-A-R-K-N-E-T, Diaries. And that one is about um, everything related to security on the Internet, including interviews with hackers, interviews with people who have actually been in the news and arrested and (laughs) things like that, uh, as well as... Uh, social engineering topics and uh, really interesting stuff and stories of things like, you know, Israeli super secret uh, uh, units of the military that actually develop malware that they use to protect Israel and uh, that sort of stuff. Uh, interesting, interesting stuff wow. that will definitely get your, your juices going if you have some proclivity for uh, uh, looking at security of things and, and looking at it from a, oh my gosh, I had no idea that this was going on kind of perspective. <laughs> yeah, opens your eyes uh, quite a bit in some of the episodes. So uh those those are mine that you might want to take a look at for 2020. So my my podcast recommendations for 2020, if you're not listening to them, I have a few. Uh, Late Night Linux, um, basically a bunch of English blokes getting around uh, talking about uh, tech and things that go on in their life. And they do talk about maybe going to the pub and having a beer while they're discussing it. So be warned. <laughs> It's not it's not uh, uh, a super serious podcast, but it, it, you will pick up nuggets of uh, of information and uh, tips and tricks. So it's an easy listen. They're a bunch of uh, nice guys. Uh, I think they kind of run in the circles of with Martin. So you know they uh, I think they're all friends and they've shared plenty of uh, a beer in the pubs over long nights. And then we have, of course, the Ubuntu podcast, which just finished their season. And so if you haven't listened to them, you got a whole season to listen to. And they'll probably be back uh, next year. They always tease that, well, we might, this might be the last one, but they always come back. And then uh, I wanted to give a plug out to Linux Unplugged. Um, yeah, that's the uh, Chris Fisher's one from, uh, from Juniper Broadcasting, just because. Uh, Larry, they do some wild stuff. I, I, you think I'm, I jump around to different stuff. You should talk to Chris <laughs> Fisher. The, yeah. the latest one is he's, he's taken a perfectly good NAS, took the, um, the, uh, the BSD off of it, then put Fedora in it and then said, Hey, why don't we try an arch? Um, uh, server and let's go ahead and upgrade it with you know because it also has all these ZFF pools and let's just go ahead and do it right now. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, he he's uh, more um, scattered brain than I am, but he he really does come up with some great uh, uh, podcasts as far as weirdness of getting things done. But I 
I would never thought anybody would run around Arch as a server and just say, yeah, let's upgrade it. Okay, it's working. And then there's a one um, called Choose Linux. It kind of goes, these guys, there's usually three of them. Uh, I know one of them is L. Um, I don't know which, what she does. She, I think she might be with uh, System76. I could be wrong. But they uh, hit the random button on DistroWatch and whatever... BSD or Linux come up, they all try to get it to work. And so it's really fun to listen to them. They talk about their challenges and tricks. And, you know, sometimes they find hidden gems that they never knew about. Uh, they just had, did one not too long ago with uh, one called Cubes uh, that they thought was uh, – well, L kind of likes to keep around for testing. So that's always cool. And then, of course, Going Linux. Oh, wait a minute. You already have that one. So <laughs> never mind. If you're listening to Going Linux, just keep on listening. But there, there those are my uh, podcast recommends for 2020. Uh, I am going to have to add Darknet Diaries and Linux Spotlight. Uh, and now that Nightwise is back, I'll have to add him to my podcast. Uh, Thanks, Larry. Like, I don't have enough to listen to. <laughs> more and more and more. Yeah, unlike most of the recommendations you have, which you can probably get just subscribing to the Jupiter Broadcasting Master Feed, where you yeah. get all of those, uh, Ubuntu Podcast uh, being the kind of standout that you can't get that way. Um, yeah, these, you actually have to subscribe to them independently, but uh, they're well worth it, in my opinion. So, uh, yeah. It's good stuff. And, yeah, and just anybody, any big companies that want to buy us, if the number's big enough, Larry will sell. Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. And now <laughs> start another podcast. Because <laughs> this well, you is might be my working hobby. for them. Yeah, yeah maybe. That may yeah. be. Then I won't have time. <sighs> yeah. Uh, we well, can we'll wish. See. We'll see. Yeah, never going to happen. Uh, okay, well, let's move on to our application picks, Bill. Do you want to go first or should I? I'll go first because I really like this one. It's called ClipGrab, and it's C-L-I-P-G-R-A-B, all one word. And it's the handy YouTube video grabber. You know, sometimes you're watching a... Uh, a Linux uh, you know, tutorial on YouTube and you just say, man, I, I, I want to watch this later or I need to go through this section again. This is really great. Uh, it grabs it, it, it encodes it, and you could, and I have mine where it just throws it into the, vi uh, the video folder. So when I need to reference it saying, what was that part again? I don't have to go online mm -hmm. and search for YouTube. There's no ads or anything like that on it. So that just makes things a little easier, especially where I live in New Mexico. Internet some days is great, and other days you're lucky if you can check your email. But there mm -hmm. is a pro tip. And the pro tip is to make sure uh, when you get it, because it's an app image. So you open the permissions, and, you, and there's a little checkbox that says, make sure uh, run as a, an executable. Uh, some, some, for some reason, on some distributions, it's marked. and other distributions, you have to go in and click that little box and then close it. Uh, it, it just tells the uh, operating system that this is a application and not because it will sit there and say well what do you want to open it with so that little check mark usually fixes that and the other one it will run without fm mpeg but it will tell you it can't do the full video resolution and it 
you know, some and some it won't grab it. So um, go to your repositories. And some distros automatically have installed, others don't. But it's real simple. You just go into your repositories, find ffmpeg, click it, install it. It takes like 10 seconds, and then it works flawlessly. I have yet had any uh, issue, but What's really cool about this is it's an app image, so it's cross-platform. You can use it on different distros. Um, the, you know, like we were talking before, you have snaps, flat packs, and uh, app images, and this is an app image that is really handy. Yeah, that's great. It's and, uh, and CPL version three too. <laughs> nice, yes. nice. Too bad it's not GPL version two. Uh, I know, but hey, I'll take GPL three, version okay. three if I can't have two. I would take it. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, clipping it seems to be our theme here for these application picks. My application pick is also in the universal package repositories. It may be available as a flat pack or an app image. I'm not sure, but it's definitely available as a snap. It's an application called Copy Q, C O P Y, and then the letter Q, no spaces. And it is a clipboard manager that lets you, well, it expands the functionality of your clipboard is what it does uh, to the point where instead of just having whatever the last thing was that you put onto the clipboard so that you can paste it somewhere, it keeps a running tally of what you've copied so you can actually go through yeah you can actually go through something and say i want this paragraph and i want this image and i want this other word and i want this reference and go click 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 copy them each and then you can go through on the uh, copy queue uh, master page or the detail page and you can just select them in the order you want to paste them and just say paste this one then paste this one, then paste that one. And they sit there persistent for until you clear them out, I guess. Uh, and nice. you can then uh, paste them into different places if you want. So if you want to go and say, I need that thing that I copied from a website. I don't remember where the website is, but I know I copied and pasted it somewhere. Just open up copy queue and it'll be there and you can just paste it. So it's really, really cool. And another nice thing is when I have barrier, another application that I talked about, um, which is a keyboard and mouse sharing application that lets you share your keyboard and mouse across computers without having to jump through hoops. You just install Barrier on both machines. Well, if you have Copy Q installed on both machines, it will keep those two copy uh, lists in sync so that you can copy from one computer and paste it into another computer using Barrier as your intermediary. It's really, really cool. Larry? Yes? Why am I not using this? This is a great... I didn't even know about this. this well, that's why I'm s- suggesting it. Golly. Okay, so you haven't heard about ClipGrab, and I haven't about Copy yep. Q, so uh, definitely I'm adding Copy Q. If it's that handy, that would save me, because I'm always grabbing stuff from different... Does it, it does images too, right? Yes, it does. Wow. And you and you've been holding out on me. I could have used this so many I've times. I've only been using it for about a month, so hey, I haven't been holding out on you for long. It's really, really good. 
Uh, I really appreciate ClipGrab. I'm going to be looking at yeah. that one. A uh, and uh, that clipboard manager, if it's as good as you say it is, which it probably is, that is going to be a part of my new toolbox because I've I've always I've been saying, man, I, I really just want to uh, I want to get take some you know. Um, text from this and over here so I can remember what I was reading and you know open up different text editors and this would be great everything's in one place yeah my, yep sign me up there you go yeah well I'll include the link in the show notes along with all the links to everything yep. else we talked about here and uh yeah yeah I signed myself up and I also uh uh put the uh clip grab uh, link to their official site in our show notes if you're interested in giving it a whirl uh, the uh, if you do a, uh, the search for clip grab it brings up all these other sites that are these third party and we don't know exactly what's going on with them and stuff so I always like to get it if I have to get it out of the re repositories I always like to get it from the developer site so I included that in our show notes also sounds good yeah, and that pretty much wraps up our episode. What do you think, Bill? I think uh, pretty much we've covered everything that uh, we found interesting, and and uh, so yeah, I think we're we're coming to the end. I just want to thank everybody that listened to us and gave us feedback over the 2019. We look forward to another year with you, uh, uh, with new, you old minions and hopefully new minions. Uh, 400 million. More new minions would be great, but we'll take what we can get. Yeah, and uh, the reference to old is not ageism. It's experienced minions, uh, you know, long-time minions as opposed to yes, those long -time who are minions. geriatric uh, minions. Or, or yeah. veteran minions. <laughs> veteran, there, there you go, veteran minions. Yes. Anyway, our next episode, let's put this one to bed. Our next episode is a listener feedback episode. Until then, you can go to our website at goinglinks.com for articles and show notes, as well as links to download and subscribe. And we are, as always, the website for computer users who just want to use Linux to get things done. And if you like, you can participate directly with our friendly and helpful community members by joining discussion in our Going Linux podcast community on community.goinglinks.com. And just ignore the uh, SSL certificate warnings. Until next time, thanks for listening. 73. The music provided by Mark Blasco at podcastthemes.com.